It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, <clears throat> Chucky G. Hi, Karen. Hello. Hello, darlings. How are I you? Like, I like the throat clear. That was very... What I don't know. It was just a little something different. Little something a little, different well, on this you know, stormy Thursday evening. Well, yeah, you got to just look at I got. Ooh, ooh. ooh. Hey, is that the one I made? Yeah, it's a pendulum. He's showing, showing it's a Karen pendulum that I, yes. I made. Have you? Has it answered questions for you? Yes, it has. Has it answered to your satisfaction? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, it, it pretty much covers what I what I ask for the most part. Yep, and it Ooh, knows what I'm up to. It knows when I'm making crap up. You know, so so how is uh, Mrs. Frazier this evening? Oh, I don't go by that. I know. Well, I just called you that anyway. So <laughs> that's my mother-in-law, and she did. Oh, so okay. no, I'm not Mrs. Frazier. I'm just kidding. Fine, whatever. I'm Mr. Gotsky. That's for sure. I don't call you Mr. Gotsky. Hey, wait, 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 wait. I have a question. Wait, I have a question. Wait, mm-hmm. wait. Mm-hmm. If you're when you're married, it's Mrs. When you're not married, it's Ms. So when you're when you're married, it's Mr. When you're not married, it's what? Mr. See, but that's what Ms. is actually. So Ms. Oh. is was actually introduced as because it used to be Miss and Mrs. Okay. And Ms. was introduced as a form of like Mr. Because why should women be defined by their marital status if men don't have to be? And so even married women can choose Ms. as opposed to Mrs. And when oh. you're Meeting somebody, a woman, for the first time, it's always best to call them Ms. Unless they, um, unless they ask you to call them Miss or Mrs. It's really? a feminist thing. I don't know anything about feminism. I'm not that way, so I don't know. I just, I'm just me. Do you think? Do you think that women should be? Um, that, do, do you think that women should be able to live the lives that they choose to live, provided yeah. they're not doing any harm? And do you think that they should have equal pay for equal work? And Hell yeah. Then you're Hell a feminist. Yeah. Then you're a feminist, oh, dude. That's a good thing, then. I thought it was yeah. a bad thing. I don't See, know. See, it's been branded as a bad thing, but it's not. See, I don't pay attention to PC uh, being PC correct. I don't pay attention to verbiage like that. I don't know. I'm just me. I'm in the world. I think everybody should be equal. I think everybody should be fair, whether you're well. That's right. Then guess what? You're a humanist. You're, but that's feminism. That's uh, yeah. I like that. I'm a humanist. Well, I am a human, so I suppose that fits. Well, (laughs) what does that mean? Just seeing the face Karen just made. Well, maybe he is. Maybe he's not. Actually, no, I was thinking of instead of defining it as human, it should be human, M-Y-N. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, Lord. Okay. That was a, that was a microaggression, dude. Back okay. off. Okay. All right. I'm backing off right now. Uh, our guest this evening is William J. Hall. He is the author of The Haunted House Diaries, the true story of a quiet Connecticut town in the center of a paranormal mystery, and The World's Most Haunted House, the true story of the Bridgeport Poltergeist on Lindley Street. So he is going to tell us ghost stories. Yeah. 
stories. I'm good. I'm, I'm good for ghost stories. I want some ghost stories tonight, folks. I am good, too. Hey, you know, speaking mm, of ghost stories, so um, I did notice that Paranormal Witness is just now sending out their usual uh, call for stories. So mm-hmm. if anybody has a scary ghost story, and I don't because I don't have scary ghost stories, uh, please feel free to contact uh, Paranormal Witness because they are looking for scary stories, but they want them scary. Yeah, I know. I got my email already for the yeah. the fifth time they've got oh, a hold yeah. me. Yeah, this is Chuck, the fifth time. Chuck, yet? And like, <laughs> I don't really have. I have cool, slightly maybe. You could, you, certain people would call them creepy. I don't think they're creepy. No, but, you I mean, don't have the like horrifying that, stories that no. people tell on that show. My no. God, people tell their stories, and my I think, God. really? Like oh, where? Wow. where where is this taking place? Giant flying monkeys flying around the room. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you right now. So I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't. I don't have any scary stuff. I mean, I just have pretty. No, but I thought our listeners. Stuff, if but, our listeners do. Yeah, I'm just well, saying. You know, here's your opportunity to be on the TV. Well, they had the people from The Conjuring on there. That was cool. It was a yeah, couple. it was actually really well done. It was the the last one they showed. I think. I think mm-hmm. it might have been their season finale or something. Yeah, I mean, I like yeah, the show. And, and me wrong. Been I just on the show before we I like just Andrea. Yeah, I just don't have anything to to give them. You know what I mean? So. I don't have anything scary. I have things that other people think are scary, but I don't think it's scary. I think it's lovely and wonderful. <laughs> lovely and wonderful. Well, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, guess what time it is. Look at all this. What time is it, Cheryl? Go ahead. When the world gets weird and things don't make any sense, it's news of the strange and the odd. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We got some, because, you know, William J. Hall's on, but I do have one in the news that's kind of a ghost story thing. So this is going to be cool, okay? All right, so the first one is 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 pretty interesting, okay? Women spontaneously combusts in a park. This is by Michael Morrow from news.com.au, okay? I hate it when that happens to me. Go Medics on. were called when the woman was seriously caught fire without an apparent cause of explanation. The bizarre incident took place in a park in Germany where the woman, who had been sitting on a bench minding her own business, reportedly burst into flames without any warning. Shocking passerbys called the emergency services while one brave man attempted to smother out the flames using his own jacket, but it was a little too late. The woman was already badly burned. When the medics arrived, she was loaded onto a helicopter and rushed to a hospital in the city of Lubrick. However, her injuries were severe and she continues to remain in critical condition. Investigators have since been attempting to determine exactly what happened and haven't ruled out the possibility that the woman may have set herself on fire in a bit to commit suicide. The actual phenomena of spontaneous human combustion, which has been studied extensively over the centuries, typically sees a victim burst into flames and burned to death without any apparent means of ignition without damaging anyone else in the vicinity of the fire. Whether that's what happened to the happened to the woman in this case, however, remains unclear. So, see, it's like I start reading. I'm like, oh, it's human combustion, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, maybe she lit herself on fire. That's that's really sad, though. I mean, I, I don't well, know. Well, so I just think if somebody's going to commit suicide, they're going to find a far less painful way to do it because I think that sounds like the most painful way possibly to do it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I would come up with something something else. That and drowning just freaks. The, but okay, what? so spontaneous human combustion mm-hmm. has always kind of freaked me out a little bit. Okay. Well, I yeah, mean, well, yeah. I, I mean, I could just burst into flames. I don't know where. Like we're talking, all of a sudden, poof, there goes. Yeah. 
Oh, that's well, freaking. There she goes. I remember this like black and white photo I, I got I've seen in many many different books. So and it's got it's like the legs of the person and the rest is like all ash and it's on the chair or whatever, whatever, which whatever. That just freaks me out, man. I don't know how many. I, I can't tell you how much that freaks me. I out. I don't know. Is it a real thing? And if it is a real thing, it's freaky. I know. Well, you know, I mean, unless you're like Fantastic Four, Johnny Flame on. That's Cheryl cool. says. Cheryl's nodding that it's a real thing. Okay. All right. So the next one is now. This is kind of the ghosty thing. So this is kind of cool. Paranormal Society shares haunted campus findings from Kaylee Lagarde from the Penn.org. Many students at Indiana University of Pennsylvania know some campus buildings are allegedly haunted, but really, how haunted is the university? According to Samantha 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 Jacobs, historian for the Paranormal Society of IUP, the university is indeed haunted. Going strictly off one of the collective evidence, she says IUP is definitely a fairly haunted place, Jacob says. It seems there is always someone or something, someone speaking up in every building. So there are certain buildings that are um, uh, more haunted than others. So there are multiple alleged haunted buildings on campus, including Keith, Leonard, Sutton, Wilson, Walsh, Waller, Halls. Stapleton Library has also been known to have some ghosts. The most investigated over the years have been the Keith and Leonard due to the long history at IUP. Keith Hall, built in 1938, has several many purposes over the years. It's been several many purposes, sorry. Originally, it was built to be a training school for teachers, but was converted into the Keith Laboratory and Demonstration School and later used as an elementary and junior high school. That's a lot of change. Upon exploring Keith, some investigators have captured pictures of shadowy figures as well as many EVPs, uh, of old professors and children. Uh, Laurel Black, facility advisor for the Paranormal Society, has experienced the paranormal firsthand in Keith. An investigator wrote his name on the board like he was the teacher, and like on the chalkboard, and took a photograph. You could see he was on the board. I sat near the back of the room, so everyone was in my line of sight the entire time. When I went up to erase the board, his name had already been erased. Other people have been watching uh, objects move or been thrown while others claim to have been touched. So there's all kind of the, you know, the typical uh, spooky, ghostly stuff. But I, I thought that's kind of cool how they wrote the name on there and they got erased. I thought that was interesting. At one point, an investigator who had been long, very long, heavy braid and had it over her shoulder. She had a heavy braid over her shoulders. Other people in the group saw the braid move over her back to the other side. Uh, Nicole Bradley English president of the society believes that due to the vast history of Keith Hall, there is no doubt that ghosts roam the halls. Keith Hall has an interesting history, and with a lot of stuff we found in there, it makes sense why it's haunted. Bradley said she had her first experience seeing a ghost in the Keith Hall. We were in Keith Hall, and I remember clear as day, in full detail, a female running up the stairs as she was late for class. Um, if you move into Leonard Hall, oh, there's also some alleged ghosts of their own. Originally, the hall was built in 1903, but burned to the ground in 1952. It was rebuilt in 1954 at the same location, according to Paranormal Society website. The club has collected multiple EVPs from this building, including the voice of an older woman. Some believe the voice belongs to Jane Leonard, the heart of IUP. Another student believes the ghost once brushed her shoulder. So we get a lot of, you know, the uh, physical touching and, you know, besides the EVPs, which I always find pretty interesting. Um, she says, I was sitting away from my group and I felt someone placed their hand on my shoulder. At first I thought it was someone in the group, but they were all sitting away from me. There's something about Leonard that makes me not want to be in there. Uh, there's also many legends uh, people tell about the ghosts living in the halls. Some students get unnerved while being in the buildings. Some are non-believers, and others simply believe it gives the university more character. So, I mean, that all sounds like your your uh, your typical 
uh, ghostly uh, activity, wouldn't you agree? I would agree. I lived in a haunted dorm in college. Really? Yeah. And what, I mean, what kind of stuff uh, took place in, in, within that? I don't know. I didn't believe in that crap back then. <laughs> okay. Thanks for answering, uh, answering that question very much. Uh, it's wonderful. You'd be a great guest. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, no, I didn't believe in it back then. <laughs> I, so, I just, you know. Funny you said that. No, it's so okay. People would tell me the dorm was haunted, and I would laugh at them because I was a jerk. Wow. That wasn't I very wouldn't nice. really laugh at them, but I would like internally be like, yeah. Mm-mm. Ooh, the old Karen comes out. Interesting. I'm okay. a much nicer person now. All right. Well, that's good because I'm coming to visit. I don't want the old Karen. Um, so the last one is five-year-old savant being studied for telepathic abilities by Zachary Stiber of Epoch Times. Uh, a telepathic little boy is being studied by scientists after his mom recorded him apparently exercising his abilities. The home video is recorded by uh, Nix Sanguino of her five-year-old uh, Ramsey's research scientist and Dr. Diane Powell, formerly of Harvard Medical School, decided to study the lad to see what was going on. Uh, Powell thinks telepath- telepathy might be an alternative method of communication between autistic children and their parents. If you think about it, if you have your primary language compromised, then that would be a perfect setup for telepathy because here you have a child and a parent who desperately wants to communicate with no one, one other, but they can't, you know. I have found many autistic children who have been reported to be telepathic and I wanted to see for myself and see if it could be evaluated and actually tested under, under rigorous controlled conditions. Powell says she's seen signs of telepathy in at least seven different people, including in three meetings with Ramsey's. I have, I'm confident that the telepathy exists as I am a lot of things that I have actually been accepted by science, she says. It's very risky to one's credibility to take on a subject like this, but I knew that when I got into it. So, you know, she kind of knew that this was going to be uh, you know, people were going to kind of look at her sideways like you were just talking about with the ghosts and stuff. But all right. Um, she says, I was amazed when we began testing Ramses. We do have a very close bond, which may have something to do with his abilities, but this is beyond anything I would have imagined. I don't know how to explain it, and I hope that Dr. Paul will eventually be able to give me some answers. Now, I've always heard that that's, I mean, with autistic children and stuff, you know, as far as being psychic, um, it's a, a very strong way to, uh, to have that connection with them, don't you think? Well, maybe. So, you know, I'm married to a, a, an autistic man who has, okay. he has Asperger's syndrome, and then my stepson has Asperger's too. And I've actually investigated with several people who have Asperger's syndrome. And? And those are all on the autism spectrum. Okay. So, are, what are you looking for here, Chuck? No, I'm kidding. So, and and I have found that with one exception, yes, they do tend to be more tuned in. And I think um, I've heard that with other people too who have worked with or who have been to haunted places. That the the people that I've been to haunted places with that have Aspergers tend to have intense experiences. So, so, so we're saying that because of the way they are, they are like it's. There's more energy come off them. It's easier. Non neurotypical. Well, no, it's. I, I mean, it has to. I think it has to do with how they're wired. Okay. Um, and you know, I mean, it's just a different. It's a different type of brain than you and I have. Yes. Um, more neurotypical. Okay. 
And, um, you know, Jim and I have conversations about this all the time because I'm just fascinated by how his brain works and he's just fascinated by how my brain works. We're also both exasperated by it, but fascinated. So um, <laughs> uh, That's some big words right there. I'm going to have to give you a dollar fifty later. I know, but yeah, um, it's, they're, they're wired differently. And so their focus is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that can sometimes create more easy telepathy. Okay. So I don't understand autism a lot. You know, I don't understand a lot about it. Um, I'll be honest, but I mean, do they use a different part of the brain more than we do or less? You know? No, it's just d- different. It's, um, it's like in the ways that the things that they focus on or that are important to them yes. are, are different. Like Jim will tell you, and um, my stepson Kevin also will tell you, there is not a detail that is too small for them. Okay. They love the minutiae. Um, and like if you're having a conversation with them, they may be more focused on the light switch on the wall than your facial expressions. Okay. Uh, things like that. And it's just it's just a different it's it's just a different their brains are wired differently. I mean that's that's a, the best that I can explain it. And okay. I mean feel free when you're here next week, seriously. Mm-hmm. Just ask Jim and he'll tell you and and you'll he he's pretty good at explaining the way his brain works, which is okay. really different than how my brain works. <laughs> yeah, well nobody's brain works like my brain. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. But anyway, so yeah, that's pretty much in the news. I just wanted to you know, chat about ghosts and the lady starting on fire and, you know, the telepathy and stuff like that. I found that to be interesting, though, with the little boy. And But what interests me with the stories, they didn't tell too much about what were they uh, picking up on that made them think this. You know what I mean? There wasn't like a, a, like a clear definition of, you know, was it because when he thought something, you could say, you knew exactly what he was saying and then he would agree to that. You know what I mean? I didn't get any of that. I think that parents intu- parents intuitively know their children. Yes. Um, especially, I think mothers, especially, and I'm not, I'm not dissing dads. I know my son's father always gets mad when I say that mothers have a bond that's different with their children than fathers yeah, do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, you know, because we carry them for nine months and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that type of thing. But I do think that part of that, I don't know if it's necessarily being on the spectrum as much as it is just mothers and kids. Okay. You know, like I knew, I knew what Tanner looked like before he was born. Okay. Not from an ultrasound. I mean, I dreamed about what he looked like, and when he was born, that's exactly how he looked. This little really? round head. Yeah. He had a very well, yeah. round head. Well, speaking of that, you know, when you when you when you touched on the word dreams, have <gasps> you? Uh, uh, Chuck, you know how busy I've been. If no, if I don't say here, but no, I no, no, I will if not. If worst comes that. to worst, I will do it when you're here. <laughs> no, I have been crazy busy. Remember, October was supposed yeah. to be my busy month, and then November was supposed to relax. That did not happen. Okay, I, I understand. That's quite all right. I'm thinking now. The first time I will be able to put my feet up is December seventh. Okay. All right. I was yeah. just I was Pearl just, Harbor Day, I believe that is. For you that you people that don't understand what just uh, transpired there, I had given Karen a dream of mine way, way a long time ago. Like and, two weeks. Uh like two months ago. And no, that, two weeks. <laughs> like two years ago. Maybe three weeks. Or it that's okay. I understand. I just wanted to just keep keep bringing it up so it'd be fresh in your well, mind. Plus, it's way back in our um, our Facebook messaging, so I'm gonna have to go dig it out with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> 
great. What? It's back there somewhere. Pretty much, folks, I'll never have the answer to what the heck my dream was all about because it was like the weirdest dream ever. I haven't even been interpreting my own dreams. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. It's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm sure I'll, I'll understand it someday. I will get to it. I promise. I'm sorry. Very, I'm very, uh, okay. very sorry. It's, it's okay, Karen. I just like messing with you. It's all right, sweetie. It's all right. Maybe three weeks ago. So are you excited about our guest tonight? I mean, I'm kind of excited about it. Uh, I like a good ghost story as much as the next guy. I know. Um, and uh, now I'm no longer skeptical, so I won't sit here and think, oh, please. Well, that would be good because that would kind of make the guests not want to come on the show. If you Have start. I ever been rude to any of our guests? Oh, to the guests? No, never. Never to the guests. I'm not even rude to you. I I. Do not like your implications, sir. I don't know what you're talking about. You're just reading more into it. Oh, now you're reading into things. I see. Okay. Um, no. No, you're not rude to me. Not at all. <laughs> Karen's looking at me going, when you get here next week, I'm going to kill you. I know. I'm just messing with her, folks. I love Karen. She's my sister. It's okay. So, yes, I am I am interested in talking to this guy, too. I, I was looking at his bio, but I didn't see if... I mean, he's a writer, but I didn't see if he was like into the paranormal other than that, or if it's just pretty much his writing abilities. Or to- Well, I'm assuming if he chooses to write about the paranormal, he probably digs it. Well, you no, know, I don't mean dig it. I meant like, you know, does he investigate and stuff? But I guess these will be the questions. Oh, oh, oh. he's a magician as well. Oh, that's like my buddy Bobby Gallo that uh, I called Booby by accident that one time. Remember that, Cheryl? I called him Booby. And it's so funny because we're such good friends now. So I was like, hey, Booby, what's up? And he just laughs. He thinks it's funny. <laughs> yeah, here I am trying to, you know, put out for the guests and on Facebook and be all nice and everything. And I put Booby. It was yeah. funny. It was really funny. <laughs> I think I messaged Chuck. Hey, Chuck, um, you might want to take a look at your post. <laughs> yeah, and I was out like running around. I'm like, oh, my God, I called the guest Booby. <laughs> Of all nice. the things, oh my! So I, I, of course, I got a hold of my way, and he's like, "He just does the funniest thing ever." He's like, "Yeah, booby here." Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Well, our guest has investigated um, the cases that he has documented in his books. Oh, okay, um, cool. So he has done um, some really in-depth investigations, and Sweet. he's also um, a magician. So he has uh, an eye for trickery. So we can talk to him about that too. Oh my gosh, Karen! <laughs> <laughs> that was my magic trick. Did you Karen's like it? Karen's the magic hands thing. A magic yes. trick on the webcam. Very, very nice. on the webcam. Right. No, that's. I think that's interesting. That there's a lot. There are more than a few people I've run into already that are in the paranormal, but were magicians as well. I mean, it's got to be a plus to be able to know. You know, I mean, you can't really f- fool them per se. You know what I mean? If you're trying to pull a fast one, as I say. I have magic boobs. I, I'm. <laughs> I I I don't even know how to re- I don't know how to respond to that, folks. Did you just hear that? She said, "Magic boobs." You know how I know because no. men never look at my eyes; they look at my boobs when they talk to me. So they must be magic. They're hypnotic. <laughs> so you're saying that you hypnotize men with and your boobs? Sh- and Chad's looking over from his chair like, "What?" <laughs> I didn't start this. Okay, just. To, on the record, I didn't start this. He was trying to get a look at your boobs on the webcam. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, you're lucky, folks. You don't have... Stuff. My eyes are up here, Chuck. I'm... Right, I'm right. Okay. Back, back to magicians. Yeah, yeah but no, I, I think that's cool that... Um, no, I do think that, that that's cool that they do that because they can't... Uh, you know, they can look into things in a different angle that a lot of people uh, can't. You know what I mean? Uh 
Because I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at me while he's I'm talking. Looking, you notice. I'm not a magician, you know, so I can't say. But I would think that they're they're the way they look at things, you know, because they break down, you know, uh, a trick, as they per se, uh, would be able to look at a paranormal event in a, a different angle that I couldn't even do. So that'd be kind I'm of totally going to do magic card tricks for you when you're here. That's it. Why you know how to do magic card tricks? I do. I know how to do one coin trick. Oh, coin see, trick. okay, game you know, on. My uncle taught me it when I was a kid, and I do it all the time for people. And they go, "What the heck?" Hey, Mon, are you going to pull a quarter out of my ear? I uh, yeah, I probably could. I think I probably could. I'm going to clean them out so you can't. All righty, that's <laughs> fine. We'll just refill. I'm not, a, I'm not a piggy bank kind, sir. Not a- <laughs> well, maybe you'll be when I'm there. There you go. Maybe I will. So let's do this. Shall we right, take a break? Breaksies? All right. Yeah, Cheryl thinks we need one, um, apparently. And yes, I actually kind of do. So let's do this. We'll go to break. When we come back, we will be talking some ghosts. So stick around, everybody. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier from Paranormal Underground Radio. I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, Investigating the Haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you too can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com or you can visit my website at AuthorKarenFraser.com. This weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to DiscoverTheForest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. So, you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark on MixLR with your host, Karen Frazier, and me, the perfectly white, rounded-headed gentleman, Chucky G. That is correct. And with us this evening is William J. Hall, or as I like to call him, Bill. Hi, Bill. How you doing? Great. Great. Thanks awesome. for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming to visit with us. Um, I want to hear all about a lot. Of, I want to hear a lot of ghost stories. We season. are suckers for a good spooky ghost story because none of our ghost stories are spooky. <laughs> oh, 
They're interesting. <laughs> they're just not. Well, I mean, they could be spooky to other people. They're just not spooky to us. So, but you know, anyways, I mean, being a psychic, that's kind of how that goes. So, okay. So I want to start with the poltergeist case. So you wrote a book um, about a poltergeist case. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do tell. Um, well, the, you know, the Bridgeport poltergeist, that, uh, what's fascinating about that case is uh, three things. Number one, uh, unlike, of course, most of these cases, this was extremely public. So it, it you know, went around the world. There was over 2,000 people outside at one point in time outside the house uh, watching. Um, and so it was uh, very, very, very public. Uh, the second thing that made it uh, really outstanding was uh, the research or the investigation that was done after it was announced a hoax to get rid of the crowd was uh, it was documented while it was you know, still not at its height but still going on and the documentation was unlike uh, anything that we really that we normally get. Um, every you know witnesses interviewed and and uh, various people that saw the same thing all were describing it individually and written down on incident sheets. So it was extremely well documented in a very scientific manner. So it becomes uh, the most witnessed and documented haunting uh, in modern times. <clears throat> I think probably the next one that would come close would be like you know the uh, the um, uh, you know, the Blair Witch uh, kind of poltergeist. But, uh, uh, you know, when you look back to 1800s and stuff, it's kind of hard to gather facts. So Right. Um, so what happened in Bridgeport? Well, it was a, uh, it was a uh, middle-aged uh, uh, mother and father, Jerry and Laura, and they were in their 50s. And... Um, they had a little boy who ended up uh, dying at age six. He couldn't walk or talk or do anything for himself. And they adopted uh, Marcy at age uh, four and a half. And she was very shy. She was a, a Native American uh, girl from Canada. And uh, <clears throat> she was, uh, later on as she gets older, she's picked on in school. And, um, and you know, ever Ever since they adopted her in 1968, there were some little things that happened, kind of simmering, you know, keys being misplaced, a chair thought you pushed it in and now it's out, that kind of thing. And, and the, the husband, Jerry, thought he was going a little crazy. And, uh, and then these banging sounds started uh, in 1971 on the insides and outsides of, of the walls of the house. And they called the police and whatnot. They couldn't figure out what it was. And uh, it again happened in 1972 in, in the fall uh, is when they would really, you know, start up. And uh, then fast forward to 1974, um, Marcy is in school. She's getting uh, picked on pretty bad for about a year because uh, Jerry's hours were cut down at the factory. He was a maintenance man. So very, uh, you know, ordinary people. And um, she, uh, she's there getting picked on. And after about a year, she gets beat up pretty badly by a boy in the cafeteria and ends up at home uh, stuck in this, in the tiny, it was a very tiny home, 768 square feet, a little three-room bungalow 
that uh, they made into four rooms so that Marcy had a room. It was, her room, her bedroom was actually a walk-in closet. So it's a very tiny place. And the parents were uh, really um, bringing her bringing her up kind of the same way they did the little boy who couldn't do anything for herself. They were scared to death she was going to die. You know, they wouldn't let her cross the street by herself. So they're very overbearing, and it was a very dysfunctional kind of um, uh, relationship, especially with the mother and, uh, and the daughter. And after six weeks of being stuck at home uh, in a body brace from the injuries and being tutored at home in that tiny little house with the mother, after about six weeks, that's when this explosion of activity um, took place. And, um, and, you know, it escalated from there. So how long did the, I mean, how long, how long within a span of time did the case go? I mean, how, you were saying like 72, then 74. I mean, how many years did I, it go? You know, the entire, entire activity of any type went from 1968 to 1975. But, you know, most poltergeist cases are relatively short-lived. The height of this activity was uh, November 1974. Uh, into January of 75. That's when it really was. And there was uh, a few days in particular that it was uh, extremely active. Mm-hmm. Uh, active to the point where things were happening in every room. And, you know, normally if you go into House of Poltergeist activity, it's not like you walk in and it's like in the movies, you know. it's uh, Right. Uh, and, and this was just a... a an incredible amount of uh, energy and, and activity taking place, but uh, that heightened activity only lasted a few days. And, um, you know, what happened was they were going to visit Jerry's uh, brother in New York, as they usually did as a routine on the weekends, every other weekend. And when they came back, um, Jerry was bringing in groceries and Laura, the mother, was in the kitchen putting away groceries, making dinner, and Marcy, the little girl who was uh, 10 years old at the time, was asleep in the car still from the trip, and uh, uh, the mother was putting away the groceries, making dinner, and the table lifted up and flipped over, and um, and uh, the groceries went all over, and this big, heavy, standalone Sylvania TV uh, came down and, and, and hit her on the foot and broke her toe, and... Um, she screamed and Jerry went in there and a knife block pulled away from the wall that was fastened to the wall and the knives came out and flew and dishes flew over and these heavy uh, standalone uh, single recliner chairs were opening and closing by themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and they didn't believe in the supernatural or anything like that. Um, uh, obviously they were puzzled by what happened and were quite distraught and then things calmed down they cleaned up and they kind of sat around and stayed up till about three in the morning and went to bed and the next morning jury got up and went around the house and found that the refrigerator was now in front of the door and the table lifted up again things were happening again uh, and uh, uh and so he said, the heck with this. And he got the family and got them out on the porch. And they got mm-hmm. the the attention of an off-duty police officer who was also a friend of theirs from across the street. And he came over, told them to stay on the porch. He went in the house, and he saw all this stuff happening. 
you know, TV moving, refrigerator floating, the chairs opening and closing. So he didn't know what to do. He didn't, he didn't even know what he was going in to see. You know, he, <laughs> yeah, right. He, he figured maybe there was a break-in or something. He told him to stay on the porch. and uh, yeah. So he didn't know what to do, so he called for backup. And uh, two other police cars show up with four police officers. They come in, and they thought there was a robbery. Um, and then uh, they go in, and they, there's activity happening in every room. They saw a refrigerator floating and you know all sorts of things happening. They didn't know what to do, so they called the fire department. And the fire department gets there. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, 13 firefighters showed up in three vehicles, uh, mm-hmm. two, ch- two chiefs and, you know, the rest firefighters in, 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 uh, in three trucks. And they didn't know what to do. So one of the firefighters calls the chaplain from the fire department and says, uh, Father, you know, I haven't been uh, I haven't been drinking, but this is what's going on here. <laughs> and uh, so the chaplain shows up and and he says, "Oh, this place is bad." And you know, he le- he ends up leaving. And the neighbors uh, had seen the Ed and Lorraine Warren at a lecture and ended up calling them, and they showed up with Father Charbonneau, a priest that they used to work with, as well as. Uh, a person who's now a dear friend of mine, Paulino, who was a 21-year-old seminary student. So that's kind of like the escalation of this stuff. And, of course, meanwhile, um, the officers would come out and literally go to the car and write notes down on what they were what they were seeing in the house, and then they'd run, run back in. So there's police going in and out. There was, you know, the, these emergency people going in and out. The word started getting around. And people started forming. <laughs> you and, think? <laughs> uh, yeah, and so it was like uh, you know old school social media. There was uh, later in the day there was two thousand people outside the house, up and down the street, and the next day they had to barricade the house off. Um, all kinds of things uh, happened in the house. Uh, there, there were entities involved uh, in three different forms, and the witnesses. Uh, is what intrigued me the most about this case because usually you think of this you say oh it's a victorian home it's in the middle of the woods there's no witnesses there's just one priest and he changes story and we can't find him and you know that kind of thing and and the parents go on a nationwide publicity store uh, you know tour and leave their children behind you know aka amityville or Mm -hmm. you know but here we've got just your normal working class in this tiny little hole in the wall bungalow in the middle of uh, the city you know two blocks from the hospital uh, with absolutely nothing to gain and um and there's all these police officers and firefighters and and then some reporters they led inside and they became part of the story and witnessed things um and you have priests and neighbors and family and onlookers and so forth so uh, the sheer amount of uh, witnesses and the type of witnesses made it uh, just such an incredible and interesting uh, case um and um, it, it was very diverse in, in the phenomena in the house. And, uh, and like I said, there were police reports where the police actually wrote, you know, they saw the refrigerator float. Matter of fact, the police officer, the first person that I reached in the case was uh, a re- retired police officer, Joseph Tomek. And, um, and he said, I kept the police report because, you know, you couldn't get the police report. They were they were, you know, they only keep them for 10 years. So, right. Right. yeah, they weren't available. I called and, and he said, oh, no, I got the police report. And uh, so he ended up mailing me a copy and, you know, that ended up in the book. And and 
the investigator at the time, the way this all came about is I saw a uh, Facebook post because uh, I grew up in Bridgeport. I was 10 when it happened. So it was a talk of the town for just years, you know. Uh, it affected so many people. Everybody knew it was like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You know, everybody knew somebody who was at Lindley Street because there were so many witnesses, and of course they had spouses and children and friends, and you know, so uh, you know everybody in town and the surrounding towns and basically the whole state knew about it, and they continually asked about it. It was multiple. It was in multiple. Uh, paranormal books uh, written over the years, but nobody really knew the whole story. And so I, I discovered his name in one of the newspapers, uh, Boyce Beatty, and that he was doing some sort of investigation. They didn't say much about it because it was supposed to be private. And uh, this was after they announced it. They announced it to be a hoax. They said that Marcy, the little girl, did it all. And it effectively got rid of the crowd. And uh, that's when Boyce came in with uh, two other gentlemen from uh, uh, Duke University. And uh, they were, um, you know, investigating the case. And it intrigued me because um, they, um, they came in there and, and Boyce uh, evidently interviewed quite a lot of people, so I, I found him and called him up. He's in his 80s, you know, great guy, wonderful man, very, very bright, and, and he's a Princeton grad, you know, he's not some, you know, tinfoil hat person, you know. Uh, and, um, and I said, you know, Joe Tomek said there was tons of interviews, you know, do you have access to them? And he said, I think so, they're in a box in my basement, you know. <laughs> So, uh, you know, never before heard, you know, so I went over his house and left with 22 cassette tapes filled on both sides and an eight hour reel to reel from the Bridgeport Police Department, 30 hours of uh, witness interviews overall. And I took another 15 hours myself. And, you know, that's kind of how the story was finally able to be told. So it was, uh, you know, it was fascinating to, to hear that, and, you know, the family is deceit they wouldn't have allowed the story to be told and you know they were of course they had passed um so it was pretty eerie because you know you really got to know them on the tapes and you got to know a lot of the witnesses that are no longer you know with us as well as it was interesting connecting with um some witnesses and having a second interview you know the first one in 1974 and now interviewing them again in 2013 you know mm -hmm. Um, so it was fascinating, but, uh, uh, you know, quite a case and, and, and very sad as far as, you know, pinning it on, on, on the girl and, uh, and, and all of what she would have went through, um, through this all. Yeah. Well, but now with poltergeist cases, a lot of times what you, you hear and what parapsychologists will tell you is that there is a human agent involved who is unknowingly unleashing uh, a psychokinesis. So that wasn't the case here. Yeah. Well, you know that's that's not a theory I particularly prescribe to. Um, uh, I think it's more a classic kind of parasite case uh, that it's a poltergeist is just an, another type of parasite where, um, like in most of these, par or actually in all these parasite cases, you're sending out a certain frequency by by your thoughts and it's attracting these kinds of things. Um, 
I don't really prescribe to the the psychokinetic aspect of it. Uh, I'm somewhat open to it, but I, but I I would say that uh, <clears throat> that uh, I would be I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't count on that. That would be the weakest of the of the theories of of what happens there as far as you know the age and whatnot. <clears throat> I would say that you know these parasites do form a kind of negative relationship with the person. So in effect, yes, there's, you know, uh, there's a person involved, but uh, I don't really buy the psychokinesis uh, uh, theory. I think that's more of a old school scientific um, trying to fit a square peg in a round hole to make it a scientific uh, exercise. I think it is scientific because I think quantum physics has a lot to do with it, but I think these are species that, uh, that come in as a result of our thoughts and a poltergeist happens to be a certain kind of species that tends to uh, be very intelligent but but you know cowardly and, and goes after teens and preteens uh, usually girls over boys and um, and you know you get that kind of activity the other thing I think that happens is not just intentional actions but I think what was what was happening? I, I don't think it was a parasite or entity that was making a refrigerator float. I think that's the result of these uh, parallel world intersects, or these almost like two bubbles coming together, a result of the electromagnetic energy, and not really a conscious uh, entity action. You know, a lot of times we uh, we label everything that happens in the house as something that's consciously done by an entity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think in the, I think you have the two things going on. I don't think an entity would need to move a model boat four inches to the left. You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. Right. So, so I think, you know, picking up and throwing the girl across the room, you know, you, you can argue that that's, in a, you know, in, um, a uh, deliberate act. And, and even all of these, of course, are, are assumptions because, you know, it's it's difficult for us to understand the motivations and workings of something else like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, you know, I don't I don't believe they're demons or anything like that. I think they're they're species that are from, uh, you know, the multiple universes that are out there and there's different kinds of species and and. And, uh, you know, we kind of name them by their behavior, and a poltergeist is uh, one kind of entity that has a certain kind of behavior. And, uh, you know, there were other houses that affected in that area. So, like, the psychokinesis uh, model uh, usually depends on, you know, activities happening around the child. And, you know, like in Lindley Street, for example, there was a great amount of activity that happened, and and uh, Marcy was not in the house at all. And there was other houses that were haunted in, in the neighborhood. Uh, be, because when these portals are open, you know, you generally find it's not just one house that's haunted. Just like if you have a lot of UFO activity, you generally, you'll find haunted houses. You know, because I think all of this is kind of uh, related as far as their modality and the way they get around. Uh, so I think they're they're able to... Uh, either on purpose or by accident, find themselves uh, in in our somehow in our um, in in our universe. And you know, quantum physics. I mean, f- physicists who are not into the paranormal have described um, uh, some of the things in quantum physics uh, that fit so well with the paranormal. Like you know, matter of fact, I just read an article today about uh, you know again physicists discovering more proof that number one there's multiple universes and number two 
they don't exist in outer space. They exist in the same space that we're in. And number three, that at times when conditions are right, that these multiple universes can intersect or bleed over into ours. Now, now, how much does that sound like the paranormal? And these aren't people who nest. They may not even thinking about the paranormal. You know, right. these. This is definitely a, uh, you know, quantum physics uh, uh, argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like the. It's interesting that you you bring up like you know the refrigerator floating and the, some of the heavier uh, force actions within the paranormal activity uh, being more in, environmental or uh, changes in the environment versus the uh, the actual entities themselves because it's like I, I don't I mean if there was an entity that could just like fling refrigerators at me I'd be kind of freaked out you know what I mean um, so I mean to me it, it, it makes more sense that um, especially if they're overlapping or crossing it's sort of like you know when you take a magnet and you got a negative and positive and you try to put it that that yes. force in between, you know, that's that's the way I, I kind of envision it myself. So I find it interesting. Yeah, and, and you, you know what's fascinating is is I like to um, excuse the pun, play devil's advocate. So you know, when I was writing this book, I talked to three um, physicists, and I didn't tell them why I was asking. The, I said, "Look, I'm you know I'm writing a book. I just want to ask you a question about physics." And I said, "Sure, go ahead. You know, what would make a refrigerator float? If a refrigerator floated." And it was due to something, uh, you know, that would be in the realm of physics. What would do that? And all three of them instantly said without hesitation, electromagnetic energy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, and, and again, I wasn't asking, hey, do you believe, I, I wasn't saying it was about the paranormal. So, right. um, you know, so that tells me um, that, of course, this is not a big theory and it's not my own theory. And it's mm-hmm. it's something we've, we've long known that that's you know definitely an element but uh, i definitely think there's a a holistic approach that uh, we need to take uh to the paranormal that you know it's it used to be that uh uh you know ghost people shouldn't talk to ufo people because they're stuck up and you know nobody <laughs> wants to talk to bigfoot people because they're crazy and, you know, oh, no we like them all it's fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well no i mean i do but i'm saying <laughs> Yeah, but I think today, and and I'm happy to see that we're embracing it all and understanding that it's connected. You know, I was at a UFO uh, conference uh, last year. I was there this year too. But the year before, uh, they brought up uh, a statistic of over eighty percent of the time when there's a lot of the a lot of UFO activity, they find there's haunted houses. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, people are yeah, high strangeness. Right. Yes. And, and, you know, we see that in paranormal flaps, uh, like the subject of my second book, or you see in uh, uh, Skinwalker Ranch and, you know, any of those kind of flaps and stuff. And so to me, that that means we're on to something that uh, maybe that's why Bigfoot's good in hide and seek. And, you know, because (laughs) it's, uh, you know, it's the fact that they're using the same modality or the same, not that they necessarily know each other, but they're on the the same bus you know that they have the same way of getting around and uh, and that would explain a lot and quantum physics seems to be one of the best theories that unbeknownst to themselves scientists are providing uh theories that basically would explain all the paranormal and i'm not saying they do because you know we've been wrong before and we we have a long way to go and it doesn't mean that there has to be one answer to it all because there you know obviously there could be multiple you know uh but it would explain why sometimes ghosts are 
not spirits of the dead, how they're still living people. And, you right. know, we, we end up finding out they're living and, you know, why certain spirits think you're haunting them and, you know, the rest of it, because quantum physics would say that those soldiers in Gettysburg are not dead, but they're actually fighting in a different universe, real time. And, you know, now right. is that, is that true? You know, we don't know. Maybe sometimes they're spirits of the dead and sometimes they're not, you know, it's, uh, uh, and that's, of course, what makes this all so fascinating and interesting and why, you know, you know we're talking. Yeah. Uh, you know, I try to, I think quantum physics is the best theory um, that I've heard. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't bet my life on it because <laughs> I, I've been wrong about none. I know. Right? Well, I you know, the so. funny thing is the very first article I ever wrote for Paranormal Underground Magazine was uh, about quantum physics and the paranormal. So, I'm right there with you. And I think that, uh, you know, people say, well, there's not a scientific explanation for it. Well, I'm telling you, if it happens in our natural world, there is a scientific explanation. We just don't know what it is. Yeah, so, no, I completely yeah. agree because, I mean, every right, everything that was once paranormal uh, becomes normal when we understand it. Right, exactly. You know. And I've made that point many times. Um, hey, we need to take a break and we can continue this fascinating conversation when we come back, uh, if that's okay with you. Sure. S- great. So stick around, everybody. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, and we're talking with author William Hall. And we will be right back. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. While cutting molding with a 12-inch dual compound miter saw, while holding a newborn baby in your arms, when face-to-face with a congregation of alligators... With the ball in your hands and the entire freaking season on the line. There are a million places you'd never consider texting. So why would you do it while driving? NASCAR driver Casey Kane here, asking you to please stop the text. And together, we can stop the wrecks. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Get the message at stoptextstoprex.org. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. Welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. We are in an in-depth, interesting discussion with Mr. William Hall, author of several really, really cool books. And now, did we say we wanted to move on to his his other book we were talking about, correct? Yes? Um, Just from, you know, even though Cheryl held on to the book and we didn't get to read it yeah. yet. Yeah, um, you mean that one? Yeah. yeah, I would like to talk about that because yeah, sure. it sounds like it's 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 an example of what we were talking about just as that we were going to break that everything is connected. Well go ahead, Karen, take it away. Chew well it. that was it. I, I was I was oh. I was teeing it up for Bill. <laughs> it's 
to oh, the I con. thought you were going to do it all. No, I, <laughs> no, I was keeping it up for you. I was no, we can't. Yeah, we can't because yeah. we don't have the book. Maybe we, we should bring Cheryl yeah, on. Yet. You just make it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It is a good uh, a good case to to illustrate uh, the quantum physics and the way that all these different kinds of uh, phenomena are are related. More of a paranormal kind of holistic view. Uh, yeah, and the, <clears throat> the Haunted House Diaries is a case of um, a paranormal flap in Litchfield County, Connecticut. Uh, and at the center of it, uh, a focus is a 1793 farmhouse, uh, which is surrounded three sides by water, um, which probably won't be a surprise to you based on the kind no. of phenomena that's there. Uh, and um, the uh, lady of the house, Donna, has kept a... Uh, diary spanning 50 years of all the different things that happened in the house and uh so it's literally kind of you know the place is kind of like a shopping mall for the paranormal uh nice. um, yeah my good friend paulino calls it uh, a paranormal crossroads or paranormal circus and i call it you know one-stop shopping mall but you know you get the point it's uh, uh still active to this day and the area has a long long history of uh, ufo sightings of a matter of fact if following the road down far enough you get to where the hudson valley ufo sighting ufo uh, flap was and uh many famous bigfoot sightings in the area uh as well as um you know in the house you have ancestors you have various kinds of entities you have time slips you have um uh just just about everything it's um yeah ancestors entities time slips I'm trying to think what else yeah a variety of uh phenomena and and that's what makes it kind of like a crash course in the paranormal because uh experience i've asked some experienced investigators you know i'm talking well paul's been doing it for 45 years for example you know and shane over 25 but uh shane sairway who he brought in but um but you know and asking various people you know some of it was classic okay banging on the walls we've heard of that and kind of, and other things like huh never never saw this before <laughs> so anyhow so donna has kept this diary for uh 50 years uh and she should not in a booklet but on individual pieces of paper in this big box and you know she showed it to me because she didn't want me to think that she made up the thing and typed it out or something and uh and it's just a huge pile of papers, backs of envelopes, school papers, you know, whatever she can grab so she can, you know, capture uh, different phenomena during, you know, in the midst of everyday life. And uh, her family, uh, this house has only had three different families that have uh, been in there. So her family line has lived in the house for six generations. You know, her mother's lived there, grandmother, great-grandmother, and so on. And so to her, you know, the paranormal was always normal you know she only knew that the house is different when she went to sleep over other people's houses you know when they had a sleepover when she was a you know child or you know younger so um and luckily i mean it's not like of course lindley street um they're the perfect kind of family and especially you know with growing up with that kind of stuff um <clears throat> they're not sending out that kind of frequency at all so uh, most of the things happening in the house, although some you can quote unquote label as negative, 
I wouldn't label them as evil. You know, I think we use that term, throw that term around a lot. But, uh, but most of what happens in the house is is fascinating. Um, although people read the books, say, you know, no, it's scary. But you know, <laughs> but to, to me, it was more, you know, more fascinating. Uh, I get yeah, it. But, yep. Yeah, but that's the way Donna is. I mean, she, if she hears footsteps upstairs, she doesn't yell "demon" and run. She says, "Oh, there's footsteps," and you know, <laughs> you know, takes them for what they are. Almost like, you know, not like our Western culture, but you know, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, like some of the other cultures have for many years, just understood it was part of, you know, part of life and part right. of it. And sometimes these things interact with them, and you know, sometimes. They're oblivious to them and just going about their everyday, um, everyday business. You know, her kitchen was a general store, for example. So you can hear the hustle and bustle of you know general store customers, horse and buggy outside, that kind of thing. And um, so it's quite quite fascinating the uh, the myriad of phenomena there, mm-hmm. uh, including some UFO related stuff that happened in the house that the family, of course, just interpreted as one of the many paranormal things you know we tend to put things in those contexts if it's inside it's ghosts if it's outside it's ufo that kind right, of thing right yeah uh, well, we had a well, well hang on real quick because i want to touch that because you're saying that right there and there's a guy uh, bob that had a question and he says since there's possible the possibility aliens don't do do not have bodies as we have and maybe energy beings could some of this paranormal activity actually be aliens and not ghosts so it kind of fits in what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, I think uh, quite, quite often, matter of fact, I, I lectured at a recent UFO conference and brought up all the things that happen in the house that actually matches a lot of the things, you know, in the UFO literature, some of the, the way the lights come through the... Uh, through the house or through the windows or the way that there's the, you know, orbs, for example, is is a common phenomena that you see in both uh, ghost and UFO kind of uh, encounters. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think UFOs do have, uh, UFOs, uh, aliens do have a, you know, physical quote unquote kind of being, but mm-hmm. uh, we also know that they have other kinds of properties, you know, from abduction experiences and stuff where they go through doors and things like that. So all that kind of uh, tends to cl- put them in my mind in the class of um, another, you know, quote unquote, just another entity going through the multiverse, you know, and maybe that's why they're able to uh, vanish so easily and come and go. Um, you know, just think the possibilities be endless if you if you know how to transverse the, uh, you know, the multiverse. But yeah, great question, and you know, definitely uh, agree that we misinterpret, uh, or not misinterpret, but you know that we uh, we don't really know. Sometimes it's UFOs, sometimes it's uh, it's uh, more you know ghosts or spirits, and and there's probably some times where we're not too sure, right? I mean, we. We basically interpret it based on the context in which we experience it, and uh, and uh, you know we're faulty when it comes to that because you know we well, we, we make assumptions right. We make a yeah. lot, and as a matter of fact, I have a whole chapter on that in the book because I think a lot of our assumption, you know, we make assumptions. Ghosts or spirits of the dead—that's an assumption. Yes, uh, a, a lot of people just 
say, no, that's fact, that's what it is. Well, no, I mean, it seems that way, right? But you don't know. And that's, I think, the, the one thing is, you know, people say, well, what, what advantages a magician has helped you in the paranormal? Has it been, you know, figuring out frauds? Well, luckily, I don't see a lot of fraud here. I see more misinterpretation and more assumption. And, you know, as a magician, that's something that you're used to, you're used to things not being the way that they appear, and you're used to being able to present the very same trick in multiple different ways to have it be interpreted differently by the viewer. So it could be time travel, it could be torn and restored, it could be a penetration, it could be a transposition, you know, and, but it's the same trick. It's just the perception's different by the words you use and the way you present it. So knowing that, when I look at these things, I say, okay, well, it looks like this, and it may be exactly what it looks like, but it could be something quite different. It may even be something not on my list because it might be something beyond my comprehension right now. So, mm-hmm. so you know, that's, of course, it makes it very difficult to, to examine these things, but we have a lot of those assumptions. We say, well... There's spirits, so therefore there's an afterlife. That proves there's an afterlife. I don't think it does. I'm not saying there's not. I'm just saying that I don't think that itself is proof. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, we, we have a lot of these, you know, one of the big assumptions, right, is, you know, aliens are from another planet. We don't know. Might be just another universe, might be another time, might be, you know, uh, and it could very well be another planet, you know, whether it's in our universe or not, or solar system or or dimension or you know we don't know so uh, again we do make a lot of a lot of assumptions right well I, I find it interesting that i find it interesting that people use the terminology afterlife because yeah. i mean to me life is eternal you know whether whatever particular uh you know a section you're in of it um i think it's just ongoing i mean that's my personal perception of it so yeah. I, you know i mean i understand afterlife is after this particular part of life, right, you know, right being yeah. physical you know but yeah. i mean as, as a whole i mean you know in, in a lot of, i do believe that some people do come full circle around and get to live again i mean that's my personal perception but so if that's true then it's just an ongoing kind of thing you know depending on where that's, you're gonna go what you're gonna that's do. why i call it consciousness um surviving bodily death Ooh. Oh, see, hey, that's a mouth, that's a mouthful right there. And that's very quantum physics. And quantum <laughs> physics would, would agree with you. They say there is no afterlife because there's no death. Right, you know, right. It's, exactly. It's, well, that's uh, that's right. It's just energy changing forms. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that you know, there's multiples of me in every universe bothering people so well and you have to wonder <laughs> like so so then if somebody sees their doppelganger is that just somebody who looks like that them or is that multiple universes sort of overlapping each other and if right, can right. they can they occupy the same space at the same time Ooh. right we we from what i know uh very close to the same space but yeah i mean who knows and um and yeah, that could be a multiple universe uh, intersect, mm-hmm. um, and that is one interpretation, of course, of you know quantum physics. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I, I think those are, you know, again, we have a lot of assumptions, and and I think a case like at that farmhouse uh, really questions a lot of those assumptions because of what's happened there. I mean, we definitely know that there's. You know, ancestors that have, uh, you know, appeared, 
And uh, so you say, well, we know they're dead, and now they're appearing, so I understand why we get the conclusion they're spirits of the dead. And, right, you know, right. And, you know, and, and it's hard to tell. Like I said, maybe things are exactly as they look, or maybe they're not. Uh, but just looking at history, we're very, very bad at predicting uh, the unknown. Yes. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite articles is it, I think it was in 1900, Ladies Home Journal. It was predictions for the next hundred years, mm-hmm. and and they're just like all wrong. I, yeah, well, <laughs> I, yeah, maybe one or two is somewhat right, but they're all so wrong. And uh, and a lot of them were very optimistic because you know you read it and you're like oh no we still got the same issue you know, <laughs> you know? but uh, but yeah I mean they're just all wrong so and we were never good at seeing beyond the horizon you know yeah. uh, you know whether it was you know we have eight, we have nine planets no there's eight no there's nine oh yay <laughs> yay Pluto right you know yeah uh, but. But there's is only, it a planet now or not? I, I've oh, lost it track. It is back. Oh, oh it is a planet. It's now. back okay. in good graces. Okay. Yeah, Yay, we, Pluto. We, yeah, we voted, you know. Okay. <laughs> we voted. It's, I know. It's cra- what, we have power in the universe. I know. We voted. We, it's a planet. You know. <laughs> it's crazy. I know. I'm sure Pluto oh, is God. thrilled to hear that. So, um, you know, as you talk about assumptions, do you think then that as paranormal researchers, we do ourselves a disservice by the assumptions that we make and by filtering everything through our experience and belief systems and things? Oh, yeah. Of course, I also think it's, you know, it's part of human nature. So I think that's why it's good to have a diverse uh, group. And and I also think uh, that's why it's good to... Um, to just keep keep questioning yourself, you know, keep asking questions. What could it be? What else could it be? You know, I think anything in life, and when we get adamant that it's a particular thing, then that's when we, of course, close our mind off to other possibilities, and uh, that's going to uh, limit our ability to find out. And that, of course, historically has been the case. But, uh, you know, I think it's very dangerous to use, you know, religion when you're fighting parasites, for example, because these things don't, they, they don't prescribe any of our religions. Right. And, uh, and it gets away from the real cause, which is changing the frequency in the person. So I think we could be pretty, we can be confident with, like the mechanics of a haunt, you know, I mean, it's pretty well clockwork and it, and it works the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as, you know, saying exactly all the details behind it, that's when we start, you know, getting into challenges, you know? So like a poltergeist, we can argue what a poltergeist is, but we know what we're talking about by its behavior. So the name serves a purpose, you know? Right. Right. you know, and I think that's the important thing. It's when, you know, I've seen people speak and they, you know, and I've been commended as, which is funny, I've been commended as being an expert just for the fact that I get up and say, we don't know, <laughs> you know, because they're so used to, but really, but they're so huh. used to people getting up and saying, no, this is a demon and this is its name and it's, you know, it's likes blueberries and it's red and it's, you know, and, and they know so much detail about it and you're looking at them like, what are you, crazy? You know, it's just, oh no, I know, you know, now I'm not saying, you know, certainly certain spirits or whatever in the house, if you're using a ghost box and you get lucky and, and, you know, like we did in this house, uh, mm-hmm. we got the name Harry Wilcox, who 
you know, Donna ended up, before we researched the house, ended up saying, oh, yeah, that's the brother of William. William purchased the land. But, you know, so, okay, you get the connection. So it probably is him or somebody pretending to be him or whatever. All right, we, we, could, we could say that. But, you know, there's a good possibility that that's who we were talking to, you know. But other than that, you know, when it gets into, um, you know, the, the quote-unquote, you know, I know exactly what it is, um, that's when it gets fuzzy. But you definitely could know, you know, the mechanics of how it works because that's, that's pretty much clockwork. You know, these, you know, the parasites come and go by, by pretty much the same way. Um, and they do appear to feed on that kind of negative energy, but... Uh, um, but even that, I keep an open mind. Maybe it's not feed. That's what it appears like, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I'll give you a really quick, a uh, good example is, um, I was doing a lecture and somebody mentioned we were in this historical house. We were doing this, they were doing this paranormal, you know, it was one of those tour things mm-hmm. and which is why I'm no longer allowed on, on ghost tours because they mess it all up, but <laughs> <laughs> not on purpose. Note, note to self. Okay. Go oh, on. All right, Bill. Oh, you know, they bring in graveyards <laughs> and say, everybody take pictures with flash. And do you get anything? Of course you do. Cause there's lights flashing, you know, reflecting all yeah, across, moisture, you yeah, know, all across the grave <laughs> stones. And I'm like, Oh, I can't do this. But, uh, you know, so they said, well, it was a, neg- you know, we got there and we all felt sick and it was a very evil energy. And I said, why do you say it was evil? They said, well, we were feeling sick. I said, all right, but sickness isn't evil. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? It's, yes. Maybe, I think a lot of people tend to describe an energy that's heavy as evil because that's like just how they interpret it, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah but electromagnet, you know, if it was like, let's say electromagnetic energy, which would give you headaches, change your behavior, could even cause right. cancer. You know, that can, I mean, you know, we've run into situations where people sure. believe that they were, they were cursed and you know, that's mm-hmm. what it was. It was, you know, so I tried to explain to people that that's a good example of a paranormal assumption, right? That mm-hmm. it's evil, but right. just because you feel sick or it makes you nauseous, you know, energy is not evil. It just means that, there's, you know, there's something there that's making you feel that way, but it doesn't mean that it's something evil. You know, right. could it be something evil? Maybe, but just because you're feeling sick, sickness is not not an evil. Yeah, well, it's hard to um, put in, it's hard to put intent to anything like that. You know what I mean? I mean, how can you, unless you know, as a, a for certain on a particular activity, like even to say someone gets scratched. That right. doesn't that doesn't mean that it's a demon and they're coming to kill you. You know, it could be just that if it is an entity and it's trying to get your attention and it's trying to control its energy or whatever and put it towards you. Maybe it put too much towards you. Didn't know this is the effect it came on your physical body. Does, or maybe so there then, was a nail and you rubbed against it. Just saying. Yes. Well, I'm just saying. But I mean, you can't put intent to that kind of an action unless you know for sure. How do you know well, for sure? Well, no. I mean, but you can you, you can say that in normal human relations too. Unless you tell me exactly what your intent is and you are 100% honest with me, I can't put t- intent onto your actions either because I just don't know. I mean, that is, that is so, correct. you know, I, you I have I love to, that. I love that. That's correct. Because, you know, especially with, you know, and, and that's a great example. I mean, look at how difficult it is for us to understand each other, Each other. <laughs> right? You know, and you know, we're. I'm from, sorry. What? I'm sorry. I understand what you're saying. What'd you yeah, say? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're from the same place. So just imagine now you get some entity that's over here, and and yeah, and, yeah and exactly. All this, and it's not even in its own place, and yeah. and 
and we're judging it based on a very limited, narrow, yes. of, you know, out of context scope. You know, mm-hmm. yes. I uh, often argue that that people who um, think that they've encountered demonic energy that it may not be what it may be is just some kind of energy that does not have the human experience does not understand the human experience and therefore acts in ways that humans cannot interpret and understand in any way except as evil even though it may not be right and and you know in the Lindley Street case three guys tried to burn the house down while the family was inside so I mean oh nice so I mean if you were an entity um overlooking that you probably would look and say they're evil <laughs> right yeah. i mean you know exactly. uh, yeah. be, but they weren't they were scared they were stupid you know it was based on fear you know so they weren't evil so again uh it is very interesting how we just you know oh it's evil uh and oh it's a demon and you know we, we go there because uh because of that but the reality is it's very narrow minded but we do that in everyday life right if somebody's really mad uh we're like oh they're a jerk we don't yep. think we don't think oh maybe their mother died that day and there or something happened to them and you know maybe there's another reason you know andrew carnegie of carnegie steel said he owed his success to um he said people do, well, he said a few things, a few great things. And one of them was people do things for two reasons. The reason they tell you and the real reason, that was one of his famous sayings. But the other mm-hmm. thing he said is whenever I see somebody who is um, expressing a, an emotion or something off, he says, I always uh, want to know, uh, you know, what is the other reason behind it you know, besides the obvious one? You know, it, you know, it could, because we don't know, right? I mean, when we right. see yeah. something, you know, we thought, oh, they're they're a jerk. Well, well, most people aren't jerks. They might be being a jerk at the time, and that may be very real. But <laughs> uh, well, it's 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 be we're mixing behavior up with the with the person is what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think we do that all the time in the paranormal. Is we take. Yeah. Not not even behavior, but what appears to be behavior, because sometimes <laughs> like. Because I've heard countless people say, oh, the demon floated the refrigerator. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. That's a pretty stupid thing. I mean, if you're a demon, you're pretty ineffective if that's what you're doing. I mean, we've got terrorists that take planes and go into buildings and, and yeah. kill a lot of people. And you're a demon and what you're, you, can only, you can only concentrate on one person. You can't even kill them. Right. I mean, how many people died from demons? I mean, I don't know. It's not like an epidemic, you know, so... <laughs> Right. And uh, the other thing yeah. I wonder is how, so, you know, there aren't supposedly that many demons, right? And so why would somebody be so special that a demon would come after them? That's what I always wonder. What makes you so special? Yeah, <laughs> right. good question. Well, and, and it's never an atheist. It's always a dysfunctional religious family, you know. <laughs> And, and of course, then and then you'd hear, well, the reason they don't go after atheists because their souls are already damned. It's like, well, <laughs> that, you know, that that's a nice, you know, that that's just stupid reasoning, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, the reality is, when you look at it, that's the case. And actually, in most possession cases, if you ignore the person, then they stop talking that way because usually, usually, it's just that disassociative thing. You know, a lot of times, I like, you know, as a magician, I like to call the bluff. So. Um, 
you know, if you pretend to do an exorcism and you're not, and it works, then, you know, the, the BS in you, or like with Lindley Street, before the book was out, I had, a, and before pictures of the house was out, there was a lot of people contacting me, and they said, you know, um, you know, I'm a psychic, I'm an empath, and, you know, show me a picture of the house, and I'll see what I could feel, so I grab a house off the internet, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, a model home yeah, off of yeah. Google. And I'd send it to them, and they'd come back with all this detail and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's not the house. And I would send different house every time, and every time it came back the same. Oh, I feel there's evil in the house. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, all right, that's a model house of some, you know, or that's an architecture's rendition of, you know, whatever, or that's a house out of Better Homes and Garden. Just send them any house, and, it, and, and it's the same thing. Or, or like when Yuri Geller said, you know, everybody's going to, f- you know, find a watch and make it work, knowing statistically that's going to happen, or somebody's going to have a a spoon that's bent in their, in their, in their, in their cutlery and stuff, you know, but fakes have done it too. And they've got the same results, you know, it's just human nature. So, and, and regular odds and that kind of thing and suggestion. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just fascinating to me the way, the way we do that. So I, I like to do that to kind of test things and, you know, and, and Letterman did, had a channeler on there that, <clears throat> You know, he uh, the guy asked him who he wanted to channel, and he said, you know, my brother, and he went through the whole thing. And I think it was Letterman, Letterman or Carson, I can't remember. <clears throat> and at the end, he said, um, you get off my stage. I don't have a brother. And, you know, so now, again, you know, I'm not saying that there's not real people with real, obvious, because I know them, you know, but, uh, you know, it's always good to test that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just, not just, not just for faking, but you know, a lot of times, you know, like even when I was in this house, I wanted validation. I wanted to eliminate other stuff. If I felt something, I wanted to make sure it wasn't electrical or, or just frequencies. I was, I wanted to make sure sure it was really phenomena. And, you know, we brought in Mark D'Antonio, the, uh, our resident buzzkill, who's an audio video expert. And, if you have a photo, you know, 98% of the time, it's not going to be real phenomena, even if you're in a place that you know has real phenomena. So, yeah. you know, you got to bring in an expert. So I think that's an important part to make sure you have those. Well, you always have to question everything. You Question. Yeah. I mean, always. And, and, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I've had a lot of experiences and I question every single one of them. I don't question them in the moment, but I certainly do after the fact. And I sit down and I think through it and I look through it and I talk to people and you have to. Yeah. Well, that's, um, but that's great because it sounds obvious, but I think uh, a lot of people don't do it because it's just so natural not to, you know, when you're so engrossed in it and you, and you, you know you believe you know it's real and you know and then you want to see it that it's it's very tempting to go to the paranormal first yes but it should, should always be your last resort sure you know and and so that's what's tough it's and it's tough for scientists no matter what you're doing if you're engrossed of course in your research and you're trying to prove something or whatever you know, you have that whole confirmation bias thing going on, yep. you know, even subconsciously. And, you know, as we know and have learned in school growing up, that happens to the best of scientists, no matter what yes. they're Absolutely. You know, so it's, it's, yeah, it's again, it's a constant stoking the fire and constantly uh, working at being objective and questioning mm-hmm. yourself. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and I, I, what I'm about to say will probably piss a bunch of people off, so I'm going to apologize right. for that. But I do think that there's a lot of um, 
intellectual dishonesty or laziness in this field. In oh, that, yeah. in that, I, and I don't. It's not intentional intellectual dishonesty, but it's it's the refusing to look at something because you want to believe something so badly. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know you know my good friend astrophysicist Mark D'Antonio. I mean, um, I won't say the other guy's name, but you know he had a, a UFO book out, and Mark said that's not a UFO, and he's like, yes, it is. He says, no, it's not, and he, and he says, I'll tell you exactly what that is. You know, because I looked at it, and I'll tell you what the photo is actually, you know, and, you know, of course, the guy doesn't want to say it. Why? Because it's a prominent chapter in his book. So, you know, what do you, I mean, it's a difficult position. It's not, mm-hmm. the guy, guy doesn't want to do anything wrong, but at the same time, he doesn't want to hear that it's not, that, that what he had is, is nothing. His, his big nugget is actually not what he thinks it was. And, you know, that happened to me recently, not in anything I haven't, in a book, thank goodness. Although I realized that the possibility could have always existed. You know, with Lindley Street, through that whole research, I knew at any time it can come up that it was a fraud. I mean, you know, who knows, right? You don't sure, know. Sure, exactly. Yeah. You know, you have 30 hours of interview, hour 29, <laughs> something could blow it all up and, and if so, there'd be no book. There, You know, maybe there would be, but I probably wouldn't, I there probably wouldn't be. You know, it would have been called the anatomy of a paranormal fraud or something instead. Right, and yeah. probably nobody would be interested in it, right? Oh, it was fake. That's what we thought, you know, yeah. and that kind of thing. But uh, but there was a, a legend uh, in Connecticut of uh, the black dog, and it was uh, a very, very convincing story. Uh, it's been in numerous books. And... Um, I decided to do some research on it, and I found it was, uh, it, you know, it wasn't true at all. And it was very simple research, and I was amazed that no one has done this research before. Um, you know, they just pass the story on, and oh, isn't that creepy? But I said, no, I want to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, you know, it's been I knew about the story for years, but never really got to dug into it. And I always held it in the back of my mind is that's weird, you know, like that's that seems to be genuine. And and it was quite it was quite uh, not disturbing is probably the wrong word, but uh, it was almost deflating to find out that it was false because it was one of those things that I really thought had merit, you know. Yeah, I know, uh, I I get you it. Know? <laughs> And and because it because I really didn't look in it, into it for many years, it was one of those things that if it was at a party, you'd bring up the story and you say, "Oh, that's pretty cool." Yeah, you wouldn't say, "I know it's real." You'd say, "Oh, it's pretty cool," and you'd move on. But then after all those years, you find out, you know, the, you know how we've been snowed and why, and and you're like, "Oh, geez," you know. And it usually has to do with people just not looking far enough. Nobody was faking it. It was it was a fictional story submitted to a magazine, and and nobody knew it was fictional when they looked. That's at- how urban legends are born. Yeah, right, so, right. So, there, so there's there's a question in uh, chat from Chad. Um, wanted to know what about EVPs? What do you think about EVPs? Oh, Electronic yeah. voice phenomenon. Oh uh-huh. yes, yes. No, they're you know again. Like everything else, uh, they're they're tools and uh, EVPs. Definitely, um, you you can get real ones. You have to watch out, of course, that you're not looking for something that's not there. But yeah. uh, there's definitely some pretty 
clear ones that come out. And especially, you know, we had a bunch at this uh, farmhouse and, you know, it's in the middle of, you know, it's not like it's picking up radio waves or anything, you know. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so again, like it, like anything else, uh, you've, you've got to, you got to look at what you have and make the determination. Ter- and I think it's especially valuable if it's one piece of the whole investigation, you know, if, if you do research on the farmhouse, right. And you find out that William Wilcox bought the land and Harry Wilcox helped build it and reside it there. And then, then you hear a name, Harry, and you say, what's your last name? And they say, Wilcox. Well, all right, now you got some, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's of course, you know, a context and I always look at the totality of it, you know, Although yeah. you got to be careful even then, because like I said, with photos, you know, I'm in the I'm in the farmhouse. I know it's really haunted. I know it really has phenomena, uh, but I still can get, you know, reflections, uh, you know, in the camera. Even that's why I don't use flash. And you know, mm-hmm. you try to avoid it, but you know, you're still going to get the normal kind of stuff. So same with EVPs, you're still going to get things that you think are. You know, people real. pulling up their zippers, stuff yeah, exactly, yeah, stuff right. in their feet. Yeah. Yep, got a lot of great pictures at the back of my head, and the you know, <laughs> you know, from the camera that detects movement, that kind of thing, you know. But, yep, I too understand. Right. And I, so what I think what I hear you saying is that really, then, when you do an investigation, that there's not a single piece of evidence that's going to be, um, you know, the smoking gun or whatever. It's the totality of everything that might indicate that something's going on. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, sometimes you can get one portion that's very convincing, like you you can get great photos or great audio and nothing else. Mm -hmm. But, But yeah, I think it is the totality. And I think if you're not Never mind a photographer. If you're not an optical expert, um, then you have no right judging a photo. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, no, really. I mean, no, you know, I know. That's I, so, I, I refuse to. I refuse to analyze photos or video because I'm just so bad at it. First of all, I don't see very well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and yeah, I just don't have the expertise. So I understand. Well, and by hanging around Mark, because uh, he's uh, Mutual UFO Network's national uh, audio video uh, expert. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's he's the guy you call when you see something you don't know what it is. But you know, just after hanging around with him on this case and him looking at different photos and stuff, um, I'm no photo expert, but now I could look at uh, probably most of the photos that that if I look at for somebody, I can I can tell them what they're seeing. And mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not an expert. I mean, it's very easy to learn once you start. You know, once you start knowing what to look for and once you have some examples, you know, then you've seen it before. Uh, And then if you don't know, then you escalate it, you know, to the next level. And and if he gets to a point where he doesn't know, then you're like, okay, well, this is interesting. And that's where I usually leave it. You know, like I've got a picture in the book that looks like uh, an alien gray and and a a two-room intersect. And it it looks fascinating. And, you know, and it's... uh, you know, it's one that passed all the tests. Uh, but am I going to tell you it's an alien? I can tell you it looks like one, but right. I don't, I don't know. You know, I didn't meet him, so you know. That's right. He didn't walk into your front <laughs> hall and shake your hand. So right. hey, Bill, we have come to the portion of our show that we like to call Shameless Self Promotion Corner, which is where you can tell you. Well, I, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. 
<laughs> do you need further instructions or are you good? No, no, I think Okay, I go ahead then. <laughs> um, yes, well, my uh, website actually has everything there, you know, where I'm going to be, uh, some free stuff. Um, love to send you an autographed book, but it's got, you know, information on the books and all that stuff. And it's all at uh, William J. Hall, H-A-L-L, author.com. And that has everything there. So that's okay. really yeah, and the cool. names of the books, really quickly, in case people are just searching Amazon. Oh, yes. Is uh, The World's Most Haunted House, The True Story of the Bridgeport Poltergeist on Lindley Street. Uh, and the other book is The Haunted House Diaries, uh, The True Story of a Quiet Connecticut Town in the Center of a Paranormal Mystery. Very good. And do you have any coming up? Um, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of in the midst of it now. You know, I want to make sure I, I continue the... Uh, the quality that people have told me I've had, so it makes me nervous because now I've got to got to work. You have harder. a legacy <laughs> to live up. I got to a life. legacy, right? Yeah, which right. which I'm happy about. But you know, yeah, I want to make sure that I'm not just putting it out to put it out. So uh, I, I want. Yeah. So um, and you know, I've been working on some cases. So, but I want to uh, make sure it comes out when its time is is ready. So. Well, very good. We will look forward to what you come up with in the future, and I will download the book onto my Kindle, uh, both of them, so that I can give those a read as well. Thank you for coming on to the show. It's been interesting to talk to you, and it's nice to know that there are other people who, you know, like to dabble in the quantum physics-y stuff a little bit, too. Oh, yes, definitely. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, thanks, Bill. Have a good evening. You too. All right, guys. So that was William Hall. Um, and check out his books. It sounds like they are interesting. Cheryl's been reading them. So, Cheryl, what do you say? What say you, Cheryl? Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. get those books. Um, I the the um, the first one, the world's most haunted house. Um, I hope I'm getting that title right because I don't have it right in front of me. Um, the uh, the case on um, Lindley Street, I believe it was. Um, mm-hmm. uh, get that one because it's it's pretty intense and um, it's. It's very interesting to to discuss poltergeist activity and the different possible causes mm-hmm. of it because it just I hear one explanation or theory and I think oh that that sounds like it's it and then I hear another one I'm like no that sounds like that's it so <laughs> I just I don't know it's it's interesting plus um, I want to see a levitating refrigerator yes oh, with so- lots of I, I want to like. I want to levitate, open up, and then feed me the food. That's what I want oh, to do. Well, Wouldn't that be great? If it could prepare yeah, meals a, for you, that yes. would be awesome. Yeah, yeah make me a little sandwich. You in know. that particular book, um, Bill did a good job of relaying the, um, you know, the, the what the witnesses saw. Um, he talked about it. The police officers even, and um, you know, they were there. They witnessed it. They couldn't mm-hmm. explain it. It wasn't. It wasn't just, you know, the little girl. No, I, I yeah. just ordered. I just ordered mine on Amazon, so, so it should become. I love that the police officer kept the report because seriously, if I was a cop, that would be the police report that I would keep. Heck yeah! Totally. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah. The, the second book, um, the Haunted House Diaries. It's it's a it's a great look. Um, the 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 woman who wrote the diaries. Um, they're included in the book, as well as some other chapters um, that cover the. Um, the high strangeness, the the mm-hmm. other the UFO um, a- activity, the the cryptid activity, the accounts of, and this isn't just from the the woman who wrote Paranormal Diaries, but also other people in the area that experienced you know um, 
loss of time, uh, other things like that. So it's a so you recommend them? Yeah, definitely. Um, if if you want to really get a good look at two cases, uh, paranormal cases, these two books cover them really well. All right, very good. So let's uh, talk our schedule, shall we? So next week, next week is oh so exciting because it will be just me and the Chuckster here. I said the yeah. Chuckster. Is that wrong? No, it's okay. You okay. Can say that. Me and Chucky G, and we will be coming at you live from the old Wheeler Hotel in um, Wheeler, Oregon. We're very excited. That's right. So be cool. So can we yeah. drag? Can we drag Katie on the show? Do you think she'll go for it? I don't know. Oh come on! I'm gonna I'm gonna work it. I'm gonna work it real. T- I'm doing. I'm telling you, I'm gonna. You know I let's, am. You let's know I just, am. Let's just see how things play out, shall we? Well, all right, whatever. You can see well, how we're just going to gab sure. about stuff. We're just going to gab about stuff. I mean, right. you know, so you, we, sure. we didn't schedule sure. a guest okay. and we could and or people could call in. You know, we, we can do whatever you guys want next week. Hey, it's your show, too, right? I meant our <laughs> listeners. Yeah, it's their show, too. <laughs> so if they want to call and just gab with us, we can we we're, we're perfectly capable of doing a full show. And then the following week, we have um, Thanksgiving, right? Yes, no show on Thanksgiving. No show. And then the next one is December 4th? Uh, December 3rd, we have okay. on Karen Anderson. She is an animal communicator, psychic, and medium. Okay, and anything else like in the following, in the shows that follow? Yeah, December 10th, we will be talking to Marie D. Jones <laughs> and Larry Flaxman. They are authors of several pretty darn cool paranormal investigation books such as ghost spirits and hauntings ufos and aliens 11 11 the time prompt phenomena which was yesterday by the way 11 yeah. 11 oh i kept meaning to screen capture 11 all that and then i kept forgetting i never did screen capture it oh, was well. jim's birthday yesterday <laughs> oh cool uh, yes. so check come check that show out on december 10th and um you know we got a couple more shows scheduled but let's leave it at that Okay, All we'll right. just kind of go from there. Um, but, you know, big stuff coming up, rest of November mm-hmm. and in December. Mm-hmm. We're sure. very excited about, we're very excited about Chucky e. G getting on an airplane and flying out here to, how do you say it, Chuck, to what? Oregon. Yeah! Woo, you did it! <laughs> <laughs> I have it said, I have it said correctly in my brain. Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. Oregon, Oregon. Yes, yes, but you you don't want to say Oregon. No. Or no. Oregon. No, not Oregon. That's bad. No, Oregon. 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 Yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. You're going to have to learn to speak with a West Coast accent. West Coast accent. Wait, you know what we sound like on the West Coast? We sound like newscasters. I mean, that's our accent. We have the newscaster accent. Well, I'll fit right in then because I'm going to be living in Oregon. <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah, we shall know. see. You'll be visiting in Oregon anyway, right? Mm-hmm. I was just practicing, just in case I do, you know. Just in case, you know? yeah. 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 There so, you go. Even if I'm visiting. Hi, I'm Chucky G. I'm visiting Oregon. Big happenings coming up. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be. I know, yeah. less than a week. So I, Chuck and I have never met face-to-face. No, we never have. Mm-mm. Are you ready for it? Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck does that mean? Because you like you're this? really you're really tall and stuff. That's right. You see this big guy walking. Hey, what's up, Karen? How's it going? <laughs> and I'm really not tall. <laughs> I was just gonna grab you and hug you and hug you and hug you. So it'd be fun. Okay, I, I I bruise easily. 
Well, you better just <laughs> put some padding on because I hug, so you just have to deal with it. I, I hug easily. I hug everyone. If someone goes, oh, yeah, I don't hug. Oh, I don't care. I don't Jim, care. I hug. Jim, Jim is like a, a, a really muscular guy, and he, yeah. he hugs really tight, too, and I can't oh. breathe and stuff. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I won't do that to you. <laughs> this is a nice hug. I'm not going to try and kill you. You gotta drive well, me back to the hotel. To, he's not trying to kill me either. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm um, I'm I'm fragile. You're fragile. All right, I'll I remember that easily. when I hug you. I, I do break I'll just, easily. I'll do I'll, I'll do one of these. Hi. There you go. Oh yeah. no, I hate those. Those are stupid. <laughs> I know you hate when like you hug someone and they don't like put their arms around to hug you back and it just kind of like hands are at their sides or whatever. Like what the hell is that? You know what I mean? Oh yes, Patty. Patty wants to point out that they threw a surprise birthday party for me at the Wheeler last weekend because we were there last weekend. Fun. Yes. Yes, oh. I have a crown. Oh, that's I know. Yep. I have a crown and a sash. <laughs> nice. It's now my yes. Facebook picture of me in the crown. You in the tiara. Uh, so all you have to do at the airport is I'll be the one in the tiara. Oh, you're gonna wear it to the, the okay. All right. I haven't taken. I sleep in it. <laughs> I'm wearing it now. It's just the top of my head is cut off. Well, I'll be the guy wearing the sleeves. Oh, thank God. Oh Jesus! You know. <laughs> Freaking! I just want to say a bad word right now. <laughs> well, you know, everyone. I, I like no sleeves sometimes. I just it feels good. It's airy. I am comfortable. Every once in a while, Jim will walk out airing his pits out too, and you know, I get it. It's just a dude thing. It's a dude thing. I like. I always wear sleeves. No, I don't always know. Cheryl, do you ever go without sleeves? I have not worn a tank top since probably yeah. junior high school. Maybe maybe freshman year of high school. Yeah, but part of my problem is that when I wave my Underarm waves back. Wave back. Yeah, you wouldn't catch me wearing one now. No. But we call them the bat wings. Yes. Yeah, it happens. To, it happens to older women. We get the bat wings. I don't, I don't, I'm not, Especially well, older women who gain and lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have bat wings. Sorry, but I'm not an older woman either. So you know. The have. next is the turkey neck. The turkey. Yeah, it's coming. Turkey neck. Uh, yeah. I used to have. I used to have like a three chin thing going there, but you know now that I lost the weight, it's not there anymore. I have like one and a half. One and a half. One and a half chins. Man, compared to what I the pictures before, it's an ear. You look lovely. Don't you worry about it. Look, I wasn't worried about it. Uh, you look fine. You're good. It doesn't Thanks. matter. Look like on the outside, anyways. It's what's the inside. It was what counts, anyways. You know, Who cares. Well, if you hug me hard enough, you'll find out what's on the inside because <laughs> it'll come right out. Ew. <laughs> That's gross. I'm, I'm not fragile. hugging you now. No, I'm not going to hug you now. I'm just going to see you go, hi, Karen. Okay, where's the car? Let's just go. Let's go. Hi, Karen. Right. Nice to meet you. Shake my hand. Right. Yeah, but if you shake my hand, you might like squish it too hard or something. Um, oh, gee. Now I can't even. <laughs> now I get to the point where I can't even touch her. I'll be like, hi, Karen. Oh, no. No, no, no. Just point me to the car. I, I got my bag. You, so pat me. you can pat me on the yeah. shoulder with your pinky. I just, I, oh, ow. You hi. Hi. How are you? Good to see you. You don't have to be worried. You can hug me. You just oh man. Again, you just can't do it. Tear it well. It's I, fine. Just hug me. I, I feel it's gonna be a long three or four days out there. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling right now. That's Why? what I'm I don't know. It's gonna be. Crazy. I'm lovely. Hey, I, I just want to thank the people, the ten people in our chat room that are still here. Yes. During the during the last five minutes. Oh. Patty says I am full of crap and I am huggable. 
Okay, there you go. No, just because the listeners love our banter, they go. love to listen to us. Do you think? Do you, th- uh, do you think that? Are you implying that we were boring? <laughs> yeah. What the hell does that mean? I know, not so much boring. Man, no. screw you, Cheryl no, Knight. Cheryl Knight I, Wilson. I yeah, this. I forgot my little prop thing, and oh, the news is on. Oopsie. Are you Cheryl Knight, Cheryl Knight Wilson, or Cheryl Wilson now? <laughs> it's, it's Knight Wilson. Oh. Cheryl Knight hyphen Wilson. Whoa, there's a you got a hyphen? I never had a hyphen. That's cool. Awesome. I don't have a hyphen either. Well, before she was just Cheryl Knight, like Michael Knight from Knight Rider. I was I was Karen Risland for many years, and it was important to Jim that I actually take on his last name. And so I made an exception to my rule of keeping my last name and took his. Well, Chad was good either way. So I kept, I kept my, main name. my brother in the chat room says, flying is fun, Chuck. Okay, because he <laughs> flies all over the place constantly all the time. You know when it would be fun is if you had bat wings like Cheryl and me. <laughs> Thank you. And, and, and if you could, if I you wouldn't could even need a plane. You could do the echolocation. You would be. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Just strap the luggage on my back and flap those bat wings. <laughs> Bob calls yeah. Karen the flying squirrel. Because of the bat wings. Because of the bat wings. Oh, man. God bless you, Bob. God bless you, Bob. You're dead to me, Bob. Whoa. Poor Bob. I'm so sorry, Bob. At least he didn't call me the flying chick mump. Sounds like, can bat wings fly? I think so. Yeah, they could fly. Well, no, not bat. Patty's Patty's done. She no longer enjoys us. (laughs) I'm out. Come on, Patty. Uh, She made made it, though, what, an hour? Six minutes in. You got four friggin' minutes. Come on. Come on. You can handle it for these last four minutes. I won't talk about my bat wings anymore. Right, or my magic boobs. Oh my God! Here. Which can, in 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 the event of a water landing, can act as a flotation <laughs> device. Well, I hear the. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll work really good. Oh. Pontoon boat. Oh. Hey, that's carrying out the water. You know, like when, if you if you haven't been on an airplane in a while, they tell you that your seat, in the event of in the unlikely event of a water landing, your seat can act as a flotation device. David Hasselhoff in the water with SpongeBob movie, you can just <laughs> ride ya. Let's go, pontoon Karen. Whoa. <laughs> and I'll hold on the monkey while I'm doing it too. Come on, monkey, we're going for a ride. There you go. Monkey will be into it. Does monkey bite? I mean, monkey's like. Oh bite. God, no! Monkey, no! Monkey's very oh, sweet. God, all right. Because sometimes no, it, she's she's most likely to wag you to death, like wag her tail at you. That's that's <laughs> about it. And usually she doesn't even do that because she's going to be around strangers and in a strange place. So it'll take her a couple days to get used to being at the wheelie, even though she was just there. So yeah. Oh okay. All right. Well, we're good. She'll be fine. It'll be good. It'll right. be fine. Right. So next time you hear the sound of our voices, we will be together or we will have killed each other and it will be ghost voices and it will be an EVP show. <laughs> that could happen if I hug her too tight at the airport, evidently. There you go. I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying. You'll see my beautiful insides. That's all I'm telling you. I'll eat a really colorful breakfast. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> okay and with that i think we should close the show fine i, think I might be tired yeah, all right so fine. thank you everybody for listening to paranormal underground radio mm. in the dark mm-hmm. here on mix lr i got it all right got it yes. all right 
Yeah, see? So we will be back next week at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states. And I can say that because Chuck will be here in the non-flyover state. That's correct. That's right. I will will be there in Oregon in the rain. That's right. He's going to melt. He's going to melt. Okay, so thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.